You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features a conversation on the recently passed $212 billion state budget. Our legislative team details areas of the state budget that will impact a range of county functions, departments, services, and programs. Hello and welcome to County Conversations. I'm your host, Tom Oldfather, NYSAC's Communications Director, and I'm joined today by the NYSAC legislative team to talk about the recently enacted state budget and what it will mean for counties moving forward. Joining us today, we have Ryan Gregoire, NYSAC's Legislative Director, Dave Lucas, Director of Finance and Intergovernmental Affairs, and Pat Cummings, NYSAC Council. Before we get to the rest of the team, I'll just give some top-line figures. The budget includes general funding spending, of $88.9 billion in SFY 2022, an increase of $14 billion over, or 19% over SFY 2021, and includes all fund spending of $212 billion in SFY 2022, an increase of $18 billion or 9.7%. Included in this spending plan are new tax increases on wealthy New Yorkers, an expansion of the state's borrowing capacity, and nearly $24 billion in federal stimulus funding. Suffice it to say, there's a lot in this budget to discuss. So to kick things off, let's talk about NYSAC's top budget priorities heading into this budget season. Several weeks ago, uh, NYSAC released our top seven priorities, which are number one, repealing the AIM-related county sales tax diversion, number two, ending the local sales tax diversion to fund the Distressed Hospitals Fund, number three, restoration of the 5% across-the-board cuts in aid to localities, number four, passage of early intervention covered lives assessment legislation, Number five, sales tax permanency for counties. Number six, extreme weather funding. And number seven, investment opportunities for counties. So Ryan, let me start with you and then we can pass to Dave or Pat. Um, How did counties do on our top seven priorities this year? Yeah, thanks, Tom. And uh, thanks for starting off with the top seven. So, you know, my remarks are, you know, could come off as sounding as if we didn't win on too many of these issues. Um, but I, I want to make note that on, money of, on many of these priorities, NYSAC has moved the needle with the legislature in a very meaningful way. So let me start off with extreme weather funding, and then I'm going to touch base on some of the other priorities that Tom just listed. On extreme weather funding, the legislature restored the $65 million program and increased the funding by $35 million bringing the entire extreme weather funding program to $100 million. I'm sure we're gonna talk a little bit more about infrastructure and transportation spending later on, but I would also want like to highlight that the enacted budget includes an additional $100 million in chip space aid and an additional $50 million in paved New York funds, meaning collectively, the transportation funding pot has increased by $250 million, one of the top priorities of the association counties. On the, on the next issue I want to talk about was the passage of an early intervention covered lies assessment legislation. This is being championed by Assemblywoman Amy Pollan from Westchester County. It's Assembly Bill 5339. And by Senator Elijah Reichlin Melnick of Hudson Valley, Uh, the west side of the Hudson River, and that is Senate Bill 5560A. We made a lot of progress with the legislature. There's bipartisan support in both chambers. Um, They really pushed aggressively 
with the county members. And I wanna pause there for a minute and thank the county members for actively engaging with the Speaker of the Assembly, the Senate Majority Leader, Andrew Stewart-Cousins, and your state representatives. And let me share a quick story with everyone on this bill because I think it talks about how important it is to advocate for your county. You know, on Thursday night when the budget was passing, I received a phone call from a member of the assembly specifically about this proposal that we had been pushing for. And she told me the first thing that came out of her mouth was, you know, Ryan, you've aggravated the speaker of the assembly. And my initial reaction was a bit of concern. I was really worried at first because I thought we had did something wrong with our messaging to the legislature. And she told me it was nothing to worry about. In fact, it was a good thing because the speaker and the rest of the Democrat caucus had heard from so many counties and from NISAC nonstop about including an early intervention covered lives fee that the conference had raised this issue with the speaker and really pressed him to include it. So with all that being said, I am confident, and this is going to remain a top priority of your association during the post-budget advocacy period with the legislature. We're gonna push this like no tomorrow. I think we have a shot this year at getting this passed. So that, that's what I wanted to remark on EI Covered Lives. On some of the other programs, I, I wanna go to Dave Lucas on uh, number one and two, which are the county sales tax diversions. There's two programs that are in state law right now that are um, diverting county sales tax. Dave, how do we make out with AIM and uh, distressed hospitals? Yeah, I, thank you, Ryan and, and Tom. You know, we didn't get what we wanted here. Um, we were trying to go back to where we were in 2018 in, in, in these areas. But what the state has done in this situation is they've, for those that aren't familiar with what the sales tax diversion means is the state is requiring counties, well, actually the state is taking away $59 million of county sales tax and they're using it to make payments to local towns and villages in what was before a state funded program. It was called AIM. Um, it's an investment in local governments. It's basically revenue sharing that the state provides to local governments. Um, and they basically said they wanted to end the program for certain towns and villages, um, but their solution was at the end of the day is, well, we won't end it. We'll just make the counties pay for it. So they're diverting $59 million uh, from us. So that's, as Ryan mentioned, we have moved the needle with the legislature on both of these proposals, uh, the, both one and two, two of the, there's two separate sales tax diversions. Both the Senate and the assembly wanted to reverse the sales tax diversion on AIM related. Um, and then I believe it was the assembly also wanted to repeal the second sales tax diversion, which is for a fiscally distressed hospital fund, which in reality is, doesn't exist. Um, the money's been taken from local governments or from counties uh, in the hospital pool, but there's been no distribution to any hospitals. So, you know, we believe at the end of the day that money's just gonna go into the general fund and be used to pay for state priorities. Um, and having said that, the idea of funding uh, pools, providing funding pools for hospitals that are in fiscal distress, that has been a responsibility of the federal government and state for the last 50 years. This was established in the early, uh, late 70s, early 1980s, 
uh, these programs were set up. They were called disproportionate share hospitals and funding. And it's always been a long time responsibility of, jointly of the federal government and the state government. And again, here, the state has decided to make local taxpayers pay for a state program. So we didn't win on these two. Um, we're gonna hang our hat on the, the idea that the, at least on the distressed facilities funding pool that is set to expire at the end of the, the state fiscal year. And we are gonna work very hard to make sure it does. Uh, we do know it's gonna be an uphill battle, but we're gonna work on it. Um, and on the AIM thing, you know, the legislature supports us on this. So we're gonna continue to push for that, the reversal of that, of that program. So, you know, and then on the, the third item, and then I'll turn it back over to, to Ryan or whoever, you know, the idea, a big thing on our agenda was to end the 5% cut that we felt last year. Um, and that was proposed to be continued this year. That was taken off the table by the legislature. Uh, and that was done with a combination of new revenues that were raised by the state legislature in this, their negotiations with the, the state, with the, the governor, and also the addition of federal funding, which freed up resources elsewhere in the financial plan. So that's a big one because it impacts a lot of programs that counties pay for. It's, it was worth $170 million just about for counties and savings, uh, not having that 5% cut in the budget. Yeah, so I guess, Tom, just to kind of highlight where overall where we landed with the top seven priorities, we won on two out of seven, right? We, we got the 5% across the board cuts restored. We were able to get a not only a restoration in extreme weather funding, but an increase in extreme weather funding. And we've really moved the needle on, I would say, on four of the priorities. Next budget cycle, we're going to fight really hard on AIM-related county sales tax diversion and on the distress hospital fund diversion that Dave just talked about. I think we have an opportunity to move EI covered lives through the rest of this session period until the end of June. And then the other item is the investment opportunities for counties. We have a, um, we have a, uh, a promise from the chairs of the Senate and Assembly Local Governments Committee that they're going to introduce this bill. And again, we're gonna work hard to get that moving as well. So I think at the end of the day on our top budget priorities, we actually ended up in a, uh, in a pretty good position. And Rod, let me just jump in. This is Pat. I, 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 the, the CHIPS win is, is monumental. And I don't think that can be um, understated. It, it's the reason why, and you know, I, I used to be on transportation issues. And so I followed it a lot closer. closer. It, you rarely see an increase in chips or the state being allowing for that because that sets the new baseline. And when you do a, a chips increase, uh, most likely that's going to be going. That's going to be the new level going forward. So it wasn't just a win this year. That's a win going out. It's going to be. We're, we're going to be. That's going to be our starting negotiating point next year. And it's highly likely that's going to that, that's going to be our baseline going forward. That's a great point, Pat. Yeah. At this point, I'd like to re remind our listeners that they can learn more about all the aspects in the recently passed budget that impact counties by visiting our website at nysac.org slash NYS budget. And there you can find our county impact report, which breaks down all these issues in greater detail. Uh, so it's a really great resource. That's nysac.org slash NYS budget. Now, listeners may note that not included on that list was one of the major issues from last year's budget, which was Medicaid. 
Uh, Dave, what's going on with Medicaid? And were there any changes to the program in this year's budget that our members need to be aware of? Yeah, last year was a huge battle for the for the counties. Um, the, the governor was proposing to end the the state Medicaid cap. So currently today we are capped at a certain dollar amount that each county contributes back to support the state Medicaid program. Uh, before that, we paid a percentage of each procedure uh, that was done by county. So inpatient hospital, we paid half of the non-federal share for any expense related to that. So putting the cap in place really made a huge difference for us because as the program grew, our liability was, was capped and it was a huge savings for local taxpayers. Billions of dollars have been saved. Um, had the cap not gone in place, you know, property taxes probably would have been billions of dollars higher. There was no way around it. So that the governor was proposing to end that cap last year and it was a huge battle. The legislature didn't support it. Uh, so it was a really big win for us. This year, the governor proposed quite a few cuts, several hundred million dollars worth of cuts to Medicaid, mainly to providers and to the health insurance plans. Almost all of those were reversed by the legislature uh, in the final budget. Again, due to the available resources that came in uh, through federal resources and the um, revenue raisers proposed in the budget that were finally adopted. Um, for counties, you know, there's limited exposure here. One of the areas where there is going to be some exposure for counties is in the nursing home area. We still have about 16 counties that uh, own and operate nursing homes. There was a pretty big uh, nursing home accountability package uh, enacted in the budget, which is going to require uh, a certain percentage of all revenues spent um, in a nursing home be for certain types of uh, services to make sure that enough money is being spent on the patients, uh, especially direct services, the forward-facing services, they call them. Um, it's not going to be easy for a lot of these counties to achieve some of the targets in the legislation, um, but the, you know they're going to have to work through that. They are tough targets, but you know the care needs to be addressed. It was an issue uh, during the pandemic. Uh, there was certainly some problems and there have been some problems in the past in that area. So it, it, there's not a lot of new direct issues in the Medicaid area. Uh, so I guess it was a, a no harm done for the most part in the Medicaid area. We'll be right back to the discussion after this brief message from our sponsor. PERMA is the largest and most successful self-insurance pool for public entities in New York State and one of the largest in the country. They are a nonprofit association created by and governed by local officials. Over 530 cities, towns, villages, counties, fire districts, school districts, and other special districts have chosen PERMA to manage the safety of their workplaces and their workers' compensation claims. Changing gears a little bit, one of the most contentious and complicated issues of the state budget negotiations this year was the legalization of mobile sports betting. Pat, can you fill us in on what made it into the final budget and how this might affect counties? You got it. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a, a fight, right? And, and and it seems like a relatively small issue. It's we already allow sports gaming in the state of New York. So uh, the what's the what's the switch? The switch is. Sounds relatively simple. It's not just going to be in casinos. 
it's going to be legalized uh, sports gaming on people's cell phones and or computers. So how could that be such a hotly contested issue? Um, to understand that, you got to back up a little bit and understand the whole gaming system in general. It's it's we've got seven casinos uh, in the state of New York. Three are Native American uh, operated casinos, four are commercial operated casinos, um, and both of those uh, those two different types have a revenue sharing system that go to local governments that uh, are are. are uh, the, the way we've set it up is we rely heavily on that revenue, uh, local governments, whether it be uh, a county, town, city, um, it's, it's considerable amount of revenue sharing. So any change to that system can get uh, can, can get contested right there and worrisome to make sure there's protection there. On top of that, um, you have the two different systems. Uh, you've got a uh, the four casinos, which are taxed and are already, we're already in fiscal trouble due to COVID and other reasons. Um, uh, and then you've got the three Native American uh, tribes that they make revenue payments to the state and to local governments through something called compacts. And that's more or less just a contract. And the contract is an agreement that in part, I mean, there's a lot to these compacts, but let's keep it simple here. One thing that the state guarantees the, the Native American uh, casinos is that they'll have exclusive rights to gaming in these areas. Um, outside of the New York lottery. Uh, and in return uh, to that, and again, a lot of other parts of the agreement, they give revenue sharing to their, from, their, from their VLTs, from, from their, their slot machines. So with that, under the, with the understanding, how would a system that would uh, constitutionally can only be allowed to happen gaming in, in a casino, in the state constitution, how does that now occur outside that while appeasing all of these entities that have uh, worries, right? Um, they came to a compromise, it looks like. Um, and I, when, I think there's a lot that still needs to be negotiated and worked out and we'll see. Um, and the, the way it's, it looks like it's going to shake out is there's going to be, uh, with, when, you've got a, when you've got a mobile, when you've got the, the mobile betting app, you've got at least three entities that are going to be involved. The casino server, where the bet needs to actually go in to be made, um, a some kind some kind of service provider that handles the uh, the background of all the computer needs, and then the the, the company that's going to be your front facing app, or the, the you know the DraftKings or whatever is going to be on your phone to make that bet. There's going to be two groups of ser service providers that are going to be uh, putting in for an RFP. To, uh, to win the right to work with a casino to, uh, to then allow for sports gaming. These bids are where a lot of this negotiation is gonna have to come back and forth. And, and um, part, of, part of, there was two, again, the concerns with the, the, the Native American casinos had many concerns. One of them was the exclusive rights. Um, I think part of some, some protection on this or some way to, to overcome maybe some of this will be as whoever wins this bid is going to have to put in their bid a revenue sharing with the Native American casinos. So they're, they're going to have to get some kind of revenue and what that is going to be is going to be worked out between the two parties. Um, and then on the, the commercial side, for those that will either get, if those get that contract with those companies that make that, they're going to get at least $5 million for the right to use their server. 
Um, and then on top of that, um, Ryan and Steve are working late with the Senate on this, negotiating. They're, they're going to get a lower tax break, these commercial casinos. But to, because, as we mentioned, the counties are so reliant on uh, for services, those tax breaks, there is this, the, the, the they put in the last minute of the bill, I think, seven million, Ryan, is that right? Um, to seven million dollars to cover any um, downturn or, or lowering of the taxes that that uh, would hit local governments. So um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. The, the bid, it, it, it will be it's going to be fast tracked. I mean, these bids are going to be starting this summer, um, and uh, I think you're going to see you're going to see a, a, an award a, a, an award by by end of year. Uh, so you, you might you might even see ga gaming, sports gaming, mobile sports gaming before the Super Bowl. Um, one thing I will add uh, is that we were fighting hard to try to get uh, affiliates such as OTBs that work with counties, um, harness tracks. We wanted to make sure that people could sign up through there as well. That I don't think made it into the final bill, but it's not done yet. Uh, there's, they're still gonna have an issue whenever they pass it of how do we get people to sign up? I still think there's an opportunity to work with the legislature to get people that are already in a gaming situation, whether they're at Saratoga Racetrack, whether they're at an OTB, to be able to sign up for this mobile sports betting at those facilities. And maybe there's a chance to get some kind of revenue sharing to those groups as well. But that's it in a nutshell, Tom. Thanks, Pat. Now, Dave, one of the most consequential features for counties in last year's budget was the executive authority to withhold funds. Basically, it empowered the governor through the division of budget to unilaterally withhold funding to balance the budget. Was that extended in this year's budget or was anything like that included in the final language? Well, the, thanks, Tom. The exact language from last year was unilateral authority to the governor. Um, it didn't even specify an amount. It said if the, if the state budget is short of funds, he can withhold as much money as he wanted from the aid to localities budget which a portion of county funding comes from, as well as cities, towns, villages, and anybody who has a contract or works on behalf of the state, a lot of not-for-profits were impacted. And he was withholding early on up to 20%. That language did not continue in the new budget. It was completely left out. There was one provision left in, and I will turn over to Pat to talk about the details, but he, there is language in the budget that allows the budget director to withhold up to 50% of a local government's aid if they haven't submitted their police reform plan. And I don't know enough about what's involved there. So I'm gonna turn it over Pat and Ryan to provide the details on what that plan is and how they can fix the withhold problem. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Dave. So, so as I think, if you're if you're a county member and you're listening, I'm sure you're well aware that that earlier than I think in June, the governor passed uh, Executive Order 203 that required all counties, oh, not all counties, uh, certainly all counties, but any local government with a policing entity, which means all counties in New York City who are members, um, that they needed to have multiple uh, meetings, meetings with the public. Uh, and work on a police reform plan um, and, and have uh, community input and uh, develop that plan, have it passed by the legislature and then submitted to by April 1st, uh, uh, 2021 to Robert Mojica uh, within the state budget office. Um, there, there, that became codified as Dave just mentioned, it, it was an EO but that can be codified in the state budget. Um, and then actually included language that again, up to 50% of, of local aid can be withheld if 
the this uh, plan was not submitted, as well as uh, it added that that any policing any any local government without a, with a policing entity that doesn't submit could have the AG would place a monitor um, within their police department to um, see how they're uh, interacting with the community. That monitor would need to be paid for by the local government. Um, all of this, uh, both the monitor as well as the withholding, can be cured. Uh, the moment that uh, that the that the submission is made, even if you miss the April first deadline, um, all that said, and I'll turn this over to Ryan. I think you were using the same. I don't think a county missed submission. Um, there, there. I think we've got from all reports that we've got every. I know New York City's in. I know uh, our counties really all worked very hard at submitting these plans. I believe they're all in on a county level. I don't know if that's true for all towns and villages and cities. Yeah, that's a good point, Pat. And, and the good news for our county members is all of the plans have been submitted to uh, the, the state's portal. So no counties should have to be worrying about an attorney general monitor or a reduction in state aid. Great. Thanks, guys. Um, shifting gears a little bit to uh, the environment. Um, this is one area where county saw some key victories for some of our priorities. Uh, Ryan, can you talk a little bit about what was included in this budget um, as it relates to the environment and promoting clean energy? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Uh, great topic, and you're absolutely right. There's a lot of key victories in here for counties. Um, the enacted budget included a new appropriation of $500 million for clean water infrastructure and the authorization for the Restore Mother Nature or uh, the Restore Mother Nature Bond Act to be included, uh, which is a $3 million bond act to be included on the November 22 ballot. And billion, right? I think you said million. Oh gosh, so I'll scrap that over. section, Tom, and I'll start over on environment, okay? No, no, sorry to interrupt. You said 3 million, I think it- um, Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we'll, Tom, you can cut this part out. I'll start over at environment. And on, on this, when you talk, is this, that's that's one, it's passed once. It still needs to be passed again and a referendum, correct? Or am I wrong about that? Uh, it's gotta go to referendum on in November 22. I'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, it's been passed twice now? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that, okay. So uh, Tom, yeah, spot on with environment. We got a lot of wins out of the enacted budget this year. The first one I wanna highlight is a new $500 million appropriation for clean water funding. Uh, this was a key priority of ours. Certainly we're excited to see that $500 million in new money was appropriated. The second item that I wanted to highlight is the Restore Mother Nature Bond Act. It's a $3 billion bond act. It's going to be going to voters in November of 2022. So not this year, but next year. And then counties will be eligible to tap into a portion of that $3 billion for any kind of environmental projects. And we're gonna be waiting to see what the Department of Environmental Conservation comes out with as far as guidelines as to what that money can be used for. But certainly that's a, a key priority of NYSACs. And the last one, which I'm personally very excited about to report on is the zero emission vehicle rebate program. NYSAC, had approached Senator Jen Metzger, who's no longer in the Senate, two years ago now, with the idea of increasing what's called the ZEV rebate program for municipalities. This grants counties and other local governments 
the ability to obtain a grant, a reimbursement grant for purchasing an electric or battery operated vehicle. So for example, if you as a county were to go out and purchase a Chevy Bolt with a B, you would have been eligible for a $5,000 rebate in New York State. Now, within this enacted budget, Senator Hinchy, Assembly Member Steve Engelbright, Assemblywoman Carrie Warner were, were critical champions of this at the end of the day. And we will now be able to get a $7,500 rebate for that same Chevy Bolt. We think that this will help counties certainly meet the needs of New York State's electrification mandates and requirements going forward. It's a great opportunity uh, for counties to cross that threshold and look at purchasing either a zero, uh, either a battery electric vehicle or some hybrid form of vehicle. There's, there's a range of rebates, but the incentive was increased, which is a key win for counties. Moving now to elections, uh, last year's elections were truly unprecedented with the pandemic, the implementation of early voting laws and expanded access to absentee voting. Did this budget provide any additional support to counties as they work to adapt to the new realities of how elections are going to be conducted in New York State moving forward? Yeah, that, that's another great question, Tom. So really, this, this all began in 2019. The legislature came into office in January. There's a new Senate majority. They passed 10 early voting and election reform bills. And certainly I would direct everyone who's interested, go to our website, we have a recap of those bills. One of them was early voting and the creation of a system in New York where you can head to the ballot box um, prior to election day. And in 2019, the state budget included a $14 million capital appropriation and a $10 million operating aid appropriation for counties. Last year, we were um, we did not receive any of that funding for last year. However, this year, through the strong advocacy of NISAC counties across the state and the association that represents the local boards of elections, we were able to get a $20 million capital appropriation in this year's budget and a $2 million operating aid appropriation. And I wanna thank Senator Mike Gianaris, the deputy majority leader in the Senate and assembly member Chuck Levine, who was the elections chair for pushing this through both of their chambers to make sure this was included. Um, really successful initiative. It's gonna be exciting to see that we have money back in the budget to help counties administer elections. Now, turning to public health and mental health, uh, last year was an especially challenging year for public health and mental health services. Um, Ryan, could you talk a little bit about what was included in the budget that might impact counties uh, in this area? Yeah, great, Tom. Uh, so this year's budget restores all of the public health funding cuts for Article 6 general public health aid and to increase the appropriation by $2 million. So that means there's over $163 million in the state budget which also restores New York City's cut from 20% to 10%, which was proposed by the governor. This was an issue that we fought really, really hard for in tandem with our partners in the city of New York. Happy to see that that funding cut was restored. On the mental health side, there's a new appropriation of $7.5 million for assisted outpatient treatment, AOT program funding. 
a full restoration of 3.75 million for SUD jail-based programming and an additional $5 million for jail-based SUD funding. Certainly uh, the legislature came out and wanted to make a bold um, investment in our public health and mental health resources. Dave, how about uh, in the realm of human services? Uh, there was a lot in this budget, perhaps too much to go into detail here, uh, but are there a few key items that did or didn't make it into the final budget that our listeners should know about? Yeah, I think the biggest issue for counties on the human services side is that's one of our, the biggest budget items for counties. So there are a lot of counties, the Medicaid expenditure is included in the social services budget at the county level. So a lot of times that could be a third of the, the you know, 25% of a county's expenditures are just in social services. So the, the biggest thing that helped here was eliminating the 5% across the board cut, because that would have dug into a lot of these programs and you can't escape it. The service still has to be provided, especially in child welfare and adult protection services. So that was the biggest savings on that front. Um, so that was very helpful. Thanks. And then finally, um, to wrap up uh, for today, what was uh, what was included, at least beginning in the executive budget, was the uh, the issue of procurement. Um, Pat, the executive budget contained language granting counties the authority to piggyback on contracts. Can you explain what that is and, uh, and what new authority was eventually created by the state? Yeah, what this literally was is an extender, but it's an important extender. It's it's a current law that 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 exists, but we need to fight to make sure it remains. And it got extended for two more years. And what so what you know, procurement is just purchasing, right? That that's just a fancy word for purchasing. Um, and and counties purchase a lot. And uh, we we um, the, we like more tools to be able to knock down prices. So so what piggybacking is is. Uh, a way, it's one more tool that a procurement officer can use, it doesn't have to use it. Um, and what it, what it allows uh, them to do is to, instead of putting something out to bid to make a purchase, they can look around and um, as they, they can find contracts that have already been, um, you know, low, lowest price bid or, or, or best value bid in the same manner that New York State uh, makes, makes uh, a, a municipality make a bid. And they can jump on that contract um, if the contract so allows to get a lower price. And, and you know, some of the concerns always with, with this um, and, you know, counties have seen real savings with this as a tool. Um, and, but some of the concerns, you know, that you hear is that, is that they're worried about mom and pop shops, right? If they can jump on a out of state contract, let's say, or even out of county contract, is that, is that going to be a problem uh, for local, local business? Um, what we've seen is it, it doesn't really impact it that much. It's, it's uh, these contracts that are usually looking to jump on are larger, uh, larger store contracts anyway. I mean, the classic example that we see over and over is a Home Depot, right? If a county's got to go out and buy a whole bunch of boards for a project uh, and they're going to Home Depot to get them, um, instead of procuring it by themselves, they can, they can get it, they can piggyback now on a contract in, in based in Georgia and get those prices at their home, but at their specific Home Depot, right? So they can just knock down prices uh, and it's a win-win and it's a, it lowers taxpayer money. Um, and so the fact that it was extended two years helps because now they can plan out and they, they can be, you know, longer term projects, they can use this tool as well. And so they can know that this is going to last uh, in the law. So it's, it's an important one for us. Great. Thanks, guys, for joining us today to talk about this budget. 
Um, obviously, there's so much in this in this budget uh, that impacts counties that we can't cover it all here. Um, so I would encourage all our listeners to visit our website, nysac.org slash NYS budget. There we'll be providing uh, continuous updates to our county impact report over the next couple of weeks and, and other resources as we dive through this budget and uh, continue to analyze it for our members. So uh, be sure to check those out. Now, finally, before we wrap up, um, are there any final thoughts or a preview for our members about what we'll be looking for in the remainder of the legislative session? Uh, I'll start with you, Ryan. Yeah, uh, thanks, Tom. I think first, what I want to mention to the members is what Pat was just talking about, and that is the extension of piggybacking. Certainly, that's a uh, it's pretty exciting to see that that piece of legislation was signed into law right in the middle of the budget. So that was a key victory of ours that we were going to be pushing for. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about that anymore. But on, on the docket for the remainder of session, you know, I, I talked about early on the EI covered lives assessment fee. That's going to be a top priority of ours. Certainly expanded investment options for counties will be a top priority. And then there's a lot of other pieces of legislation in here that NISAC and county support to help reduce and reform county or state and county government to make it a little easier to do our jobs. So there's things in here, here like reforming the DOT fiber right away. Certainly we'll be pushing for that. Um, there's extended producer responsibility on the environmental side to help with uh, county costs due to recycling um, very expensive products. We're gonna be working with partners both in the Senate and Assembly to advance uh, court judgment interest rate reform. We've got, um, we've got a lot of uh, additional public safety items that we'll be pushing for, including reforming the way that we provide services to um, EMS and volunteer firefighters. Certainly they're a cornerstone of our community and we need them to be strong to, to continue our emergency response efforts. And then I think um, you know, another key priority of ours will be looking to reform the insurance um, system. And what I mean by that is Article 47 of the insurance law, it's a terribly cumbersome process for a county to go about and reduce employee health insurance costs. We're gonna be working with the legislature to try and get that fixed. It's, Enough is enough. We have to come together as a state. Certainly this is uh, in the spirit of reforming, reimagining, bolstering our services here in New York. And these are all opportunities uh, to do so. And I guess what I'll, I'll conclude with is that I encourage all of our members to keep an eye out. We're gonna be publishing a 2021 post-budget legislative priority platform in the coming weeks. Uh, to be engaging with the members of legislature. Keep an eye out for that. We're going to need your help again uh, to push some of these issues with state lawmakers here in Albany. Well, that's a great place to wrap it up. Uh, thanks, Ryan. I think you covered basically everything um, that we'll be looking for going forward. And uh, we're about out of time today. So I just want to thank you guys again for joining us today. Uh, really informative um, conversation today. Um, so uh, until next time, thanks for joining us for another episode of County Conversations.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in to hear more insightful interviews on policy and innovative solutions at the county level. And feel free to reach out to our staff if there is a topic you would like to hear us discuss on the podcast. Thank you.